My days working, taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. Uh, we get underway with this busy week here in Happy Valley. Going to cap that off on Saturday with the blue-white weekend, uh, the blue-white game in, on Beaver Stadium. Really excited to get back in there with our colleagues, with a bunch of fans, and certainly with those players. We get to see portions of practice each and every week, but really get to open things up for a better view this Saturday, along with all of you, as we get to know this 2023 Nittany Lions football squad a lot better. We'll be back on the practice field here uh, later on a Tuesday. This evening, we'll have our notes. Uh, we'll have our photo gallery and we'll have full video of the press conference with James Franklin coming off the field on a Tuesday. By the way, Josh Pate is in town, uh, our national football analyst at 24-7 at Sports. That I know many of you love, has been on this podcast a bunch. He's going to have coverage on his site, the late kick with Josh Pate, um, from his conversation with James Franklin. He's been at Penn State facilities here on a Monday and a Tuesday. So a lot coming your way in the 24-7 Sports Network uh, from Penn State football. We've got a Big basketball pickup to get to in just a matter of minutes, but been a really busy time for 2024 class building with the Nittany Lions and Tyler Calvaruso has been all over it at Lions247.com. Tyler, welcome back into the podcast. Good to be back. Well, Ace Baldwin and a lot of different shows that we've had here would be the lead and we'd be breaking that down. Instead, we got to start with Quentin Martin, and then we'll eventually get to another defensive back out of the state of Florida who's now in the class with, with Penn State. But Friday, uh, things started really picking up. Quentin Martin announcing in the evening that he'll be coming to Penn State, and he's the number one play player in the state of Pennsylvania, according to 24-7 Sports, uh, considered a, a top-tier prospect nationally and a guy that we thought would maybe make a large-scale tour as the spring and summer uh, before his senior season instead gives Penn State a major home run on the recruiting trail and decides he's ready to lock into the Nittany Lions 2024 class committing on Friday evening. A huge step in the right direction for the Nittany Lions in this class. In three straight years of keeping the top-ranked recruit in Pennsylvania in Pennsylvania. You know, obviously we still have a long way to go with Martin between now and the early signing period. You know, yeah, I still got to put pen to paper, but at the end of the day, James Franklin and his staff want to keep the best guys in Pennsylvania in Pennsylvania. And that's what Martin is. I mean, what more can you really say about this commitment? It's huge. It, this was one of the top recruits on the 2024 board before we were even focusing on the 2024 board. That's how much of a priority Martin has been. And he's been that level of a priority for such a long time. I and mean, this is just really a home run get for the staff, you know, yeah, then maybe the timeline was a little bit more accelerated than a lot of us originally anticipated. It looked like Martin wasn't really in a rush to wrap things up. It looked like he was going to get out, make more visits, go through that June official visit slate before coming into a decision. But his recruitment's been an unpredictable one from the start, so I'm not really surprised that he wrapped it up in the manner that he did on Good Friday. You know, Penn State, you're, you're adding an elite back to your depth chart and a potential heir apparent to the duo of Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. Now it's really about going out and landing another high quality back in the cycle. So you could have that two headed monster again in the 2024 class. So this is a huge get 
and really in a multitude of ways. I mean, just going into Western Pennsylvania again, getting the top guy, taking him away from Pitt, because, you know, what we've been hearing is there were certain people who wanted to see Martin at Pitt who were, you know, encouraging him to give Pitt a long look. But this is what Terry Smith does. <laughs> That's what he's shown that he does for this Penn State staff for years now. When it comes to recruiting guys in the Pittsburgh area, Western PA, he's all over it. Martin's just the latest win for him. But when you can land the headliner of your class in April, I mean, you're off to a great start. I would say Penn State really officially on fire on the trail. Yeah, Quentin Martin, a top 50 prospect in 24-7 sports rankings, uh, number 30 in the composite rankings, a guy that's clearly going to be flirting with that five-star status as he gets into his senior season at Bell Vernon High School. Uh, and with Quentin Martin, you mentioned the fact that, that you know, this is a big, big addition for the running back room and what Jaywan Slater is looking to do long term. Uh, but it, I, I think I go back to that 2023 running back class and think about what this past week has been to those guys, London Montgomery, Cam Wallace. I mean, look, look, they're still a couple months away from getting on board here. We knew they weren't going to be part of the spring practice conversation, but now we know Trey Potts is coming on board. He's just a few weeks away from graduating at Minnesota and, and coming on board with, with this Penn State team as a, as a year five guy at the college level, uh, an experienced Big Ten back. And now looking ahead a little bit next year, you've got Quentin Martin uh, coming down that path to Happy Valley. So Look, I know London Montgomery, Cam Wallace, a lot of excitement about both of those guys, what they're going to be able to do. But their outlook just got a little bit different, I think. And, and, and if they're not feeling the pressure, if they weren't feeling the pressure uh, a little bit in terms of what it's going to be like to compete at a school like Penn State, I think that's getting a lot more real for them here in the last few days with what Penn State has done to this running back room. Because let's remember, Potts has two years of eligibility on the table. He could be with this program again next year. And then you've got Quentin Martin, who seems like the kind of prospect who could come in and really sprint towards a role in his first year on a college campus. So just something to look at there. And I know Jaywan Sutter is the guy we talk about for the running back room, but Terry Smith has been a man on fire from the recruiting trail. He talked about the, the job he does in Western PA. Case in point here, Quentin Martin. Uh, but, but obviously we're going to get to in a minute with the defensive backs that, that he's gotten done. But same with Martin. What do you make of, of of this kind of signaling where Penn State is from a health standpoint and being able to sell a long-term future that involves NIL plans, that involves a cohesive package for a student-athlete in modern college football? To me, getting this done now means they've really buttoned up their package, their presentation, and their pitch. I know that's something that they're working on, trying to really get that to another level, but this is a really good indication of where they're trending, in my opinion. I think it's an indication of reality being a bit different than public perception. Uh, I think a lot of people tend to have the belief that Penn State is really far behind some of the major NIL power players. And while they're not handing out bags like we've seen Miami do, you know, they're, they're not just they're not loaded like that. But at the same time, they're in a good spot NIL wise. And you make a really good point that going out and getting this done as early as Penn State was able to with Martin is pretty much a telltale sign of that because NIL is something that we've really talked about a lot with Martin. I think dating back to the early stages of this recruitment since I got here, whenever we talk about Martin, we had to factor NIL into the conversation in some degree because it was an important thing for him. It was something that he was keeping an eye on throughout his recruitment, really from Jump Street. That, that was the thing for him. He wanted to see how he could maximize you know, his potential and his name, image, and likeness. And I think Penn State gave him an attractive offer, obviously attractive enough for him to commit. And that speaks to where the program is at on the NIL front. Is there progress to be made still? Yes, 100%. Penn State's not perfect in that regard. And, you know, but is it different than what a lot of people seem to think it is? I would say so. And I think you could point to this Martin recruitment and closing on it in April and giving him an offer that he feels comfortable taking. I think you could point to that and say, hey, look, Penn State's doing it on the NIL front. You know, we, we've seen players comment on it as well. Olufushanu said Penn State's doing a really good job on the NIL front. Those guys know better than anyone. They're already in Happy Valley experiencing it. So if guys like that are saying it and then Martin's, you know, feeling good enough to commit early, it speaks to where Penn State truly is on the NIL front, even if some people probably still won't buy into it. It seems like there's definite momentum there on the basketball, and I know that there's a lot of concern about what can come on the basketball level of that, and there's a bunch of other programs to mm -hmm. take care of here at Penn State, but clearly football at the forefront there, and, and it seems like strides are being made in the right direction, and uh, James Franklin involved there, and, and, and a large staff 
uh, involved there. And, and, and we've seen on our message board, Alliance247.com, there's new events popping up. Uh, seems to be in a good place, and, and it's going to be all correlated with recruiting. It's just the way it is right now in college football. Um, a, a lot of different tiers, I guess, to, to check off the box when you think about going into a big-time commitment. And part of those is the financial package that a, that a program that can is, present. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Let's get to the other commitment that, that came up on Monday, and that was Antoine Belgrave Shorter. He's just a couple of weeks away from being on campus with his teammate at Mandarin High School in Jacksonville, Florida, John Mitchell. Of course, Mitchell didn't leave campus a couple of weeks ago without issuing his commitment to Penn State. He's a top 24-7 cornerback recruit, and his teammate now comes on board, not quite as highly rated. He's the number 48 cornerback nationally in 24-7 sports rankings and number 87 rating, which places him in three-star territory. But Antoine Belgrave Shorter decided the time was right for him, giving Terry Smith yet another commitment from Florida and Mandarin High. Yeah, so coming out of his multi-day visit to Penn State in April, on the first weekend of April, Penn State was the pretty clear leader for Belgrave Shorter, and the staff hopped on a Zoom call with him Monday night, and he gave his commitment. And I don't think that really came – as much of a surprise to anyone who's been following this recruitment, it definitely wasn't a surprising last. There have been plenty of whispers that this one was going to wrap up before Belgrave Shorter's scheduled June official visit. It just seemed like the Nittany lines are trending so heavily. The writing was kind of on the wall, and it felt like it was kind of only a matter of time with the relationship Belgrave Shorter has formed with Terry Smith, with the way he views this school, with John Mitchell committing and him being there and him you know, providing a familiar face in Happy Valley upon arrival. All of these things played into this decision coming together on Monday night. And when you think about Belgrave Shorter as a player, he passes the eye test. I'll tell you that. You go watch his tape. You see the speed. You see the physicality that he brings to the table as an outside cornerback. So it's another quality get in Florida. You know, Terry Smith tapped back into that Florida defensive back pipeline. This is now three cycles in a row where Penn State goes down to Sunshine State and gets a guy. You know, 2022 is Cam Miller, who we're starting to see coming to his own a little bit. This past cycle in 2023, you had Elliot Washington, who's been making waves on campus. Soretti is an early enrollee since he arrived in January. King Mac's going to be around this summer, and there are high expectations surrounding him. Top 21-7 Fort Lauderdale, St. Thomas Aquinas safety. And they might not even be done in Florida this cycle with defensive backs. Jameer Grimsley's still on the board, and he's going to be back for his official in June. And they feel real. there's a ton of optimism surrounding him as well. Florida State's pushing pretty hard. That recruitment's by no means a done deal for Penn State, but they're feeling pretty good about where they're at with him. They think getting him back for that June official, there could be some movement there coming out of that trip if all goes well. So Belgrave Shorter, just the latest really high-quality get for Terry Smith out of Florida. You talk about the talent that he's been stockpiling in that secondary and that cornerback room recently. It's really impressive. Yeah, those two are on board with Kenneth Woosley out of Philadelphia. Three-man cornerback group right now, as you mentioned. I still have eyes on the Sunshine State. Uh, at that position, we'll see what happens. But three guys on board. There are eight total commitments now uh, for this class. And, and it's interesting to see the juxtaposition where you've got a guy like Quentin Martin you know, in, in a very detailed article at the Lions 24-7. He's talking about uh, you know dream school for Penn State. Growing up and watching uh, you know, Saquon Barkley run the football do exciting things with the Nittany Lions and, and wanting to be that guy down the road. Now you've got a couple of guys here venturing all the way up from Jacksonville, Florida, who want to be part of the action. And it's just fun to watch a, a recruiting class come together. So many backgrounds. And to this point in 2024, it's the number eight class in the country now with eight guys on board. And we're always watching to see what happens next, Tyler Calvaruso. And naturally, a couple of crystal balls from Brian Doan and Steve Wolfong will turn just about everybody's head within the 24-7 Sports Network. And they had a couple predictions for what might be next for Penn State. We'll start with the wide receiver position, an area that we've been waiting to see how it will be addressed with a new leader in that room and, and Coach Higgins. And Jalen Hornsby, receiver, is one of those picks that Doan and Wolfong doubled up on. Yeah, Hornsby made it to campus over the weekend for a visit. All went really well there. There's a feeling that he's inching a little bit closer to wrapping things up, and assuming that is the case, Penn State's in the best spot to land him at this point. He's one of those guys, Hornsby, we haven't really talked about him a lot. His recruitment hasn't been too high profile from a public standpoint. But he's one of those guys, Penn State, if, if he called the Penn State staff right now and said, hey, look, I want to commit, they're taking it. He's one of those guys on that board who's held him that high of a regard. So – Crystal ball going in, it's definitely an indication of where things are trending there. Not really sure in terms of a timeline what could be coming, but Penn State in pretty good shape coming out of the visit. Not just comfortable with Hornsby as a player and a person, but Penn State staff and the Hornsby family got really familiar and comfortable, specifically the mother 
while Hornsby was on campus. So really a lot of positive vibes coming out of that visit. And I like where the Nittany Lions are standing. And at the wide receiver spot, it's, it's uh, you know, one we've talked about quite a bit. Whenever you have a coaching change in the middle of a cycle, things are going to drop. Guys are going to raise. You're going to want other guys to get on campus. But with Hornsby out of Camden High School in, in southern New Jersey, the number 66 wide receiver in 24 sets, seven sports assessment at this point, the number 11 player out of the Garden State. Um, and this one crystal uh, and that crystal ball is the only one for him uh, to this point. The other one that went in was at the quarterback spot. We've discussed maybe a two man class at quarterback for Penn State in the 2024 cycle. Uh, and, and in this instance, it's step on up, Michael Van Buren. Yeah. Van Buren gets back on campus for another visit. He's been to Penn State more than anywhere at this point in his recruitment. Another visit goes really well, and it's pretty clear who's trending in this recruitment. He's going to be at Oregon this weekend, and then he's going to follow that up with a trip to Oklahoma. And he's not planning on committing until July, July 8th. That's the decision date that he has set right now. So he's going to go through the official visit process. He's going to go through official visit season. Penn State's going to get its official visit on June 16th. And – Really, you know, this is another recruitment where I've heard whispers where people wouldn't be surprised if it wrapped up early. I don't think it ultimately will. I think he's going to stick to that July 8th decision, it seems like. But Penn State feels good about where it's at with Van Buren. Mike Gersh's Daniel O'Brien, James Franklin have all played pretty major parts in getting things to this point. And he just feels comfortable with the plan that's been laid out for him in a development aspect as a quarterback, working with Gersh, just feeling comfortable in the offense, feeling comfortable with the program. Everyone that I've talked to about Van Buren says he's just a really good kid with a really good head on his shoulders, and he likes what Penn State has cooking. So it gives them a chance to not only land a pretty good quarterback, but potentially get back in at St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. That, that's a school Penn State has its eye on a lot pretty much every cycle, so that'd be a plus. But when it comes to Van Buren solely as a prospect, Penn State, it's pretty safe to say they're in the top spot for him right now. And Oregon uh, going to get a chance to, to, to host him this upcoming weekend. Uh, he told Steve Waldfong. And, and, and also, there, there's just kind of a note here. He was supposed to be making a trip to Oklahoma. but The Sooners have just landed a commitment from a four-star quarterback named Michael Hawkins out of Texas. So it, it's a game of dominoes at quarterback. Maybe musical chairs is, is, is the more appropriate term. This is the time of year where guys are trying to claim their seats, and, and sometimes you don't always have one at a spot you might. Uh, so we'll see how that maybe impacts the process here. Speaking of musical chairs, sometimes committed guys get involved with that game as well. And one that we have mentioned here a few times on the podcast is Luke Kromenhoek. Uh, he's been committed to Florida State for a while now, just about a full year now, going back to March 2022, out of the Benedictine Military School in Savannah, Georgia. But as we've documented, a couple trips to Penn State in 2022, including for a game with family members. And now, as we confirmed on, on Friday, uh, was in town and getting a chance to take another look uh, at the Nittany Lions. You know, he keeps making it back to campus. And, yes, he does have family in the Northeast and from Virginia. So there are factors that are playing in Penn State's favor. The, the family has liked the way that the Penn State staff has recruited him. I just – I still feel like – Maybe if he wasn't committed to Florida State right now, maybe let, let's say he had never committed anywhere and he was still an uncommitted prospect at this point in his recruitment, I think Penn State would be in a pretty good spot. But the fact that the fact that he's committed to Florida State and he seems really solid with the Seminole, I, I still get the feeling, I, I've said it multiple times with him now, I still get the feeling that it's going to take some sort of change in Tallahassee for him to not wind up with the Knolls. I feel like there's got to be some sort of coaching change on the staff. And I don't really foresee that happening. I don't think Mike Norvell's going anywhere anytime soon with the way he has that program trending right now. So I think this is something Penn State's going to keep trying to hammer. I think they're not really going to give up on him until they're flat out told no, because as much as the staff likes Van Buren, it's pretty clear who the QB one in this 2024 class is when it, from a target perspective. And that's Luke. I mean, that's really how things have evolved. Mike Hurtis has been down to see him a ton. I mean, in December, he visited him twice in less than a week. I think when we point to activity on the recruiting show, it's a pretty clear indication of the pecking order and who's favored by the staff. I just – I don't know if this one's going to come together for Penn State. They're going to keep trying, but I still just have a tough time seeing it happen that way. Maybe if he gets back for an official in June, I'll, I'll be singing a little bit different of a song, you know. If he gets back for an official, I'd say that's a pretty big deal because he's clearly still listening to the staff, right? I mean, he, he's been back multiple times. I want to see if that an official happens. If an official happens, I'll have some, I'll have a different take. But until then, I, I don't know. I just I just think this is an this is an uphill battle. 
you're calming the nerves of Seminoles fans out there because you said <laughs> you, you, your take is he's, he's really solid to them. My take is he's showing up in, in, in State College, it Pennsylvania sure. in early April as a Seminoles commit. doesn't feel really solid to me. Uh, and he's been here for a game, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see. And, and as you said, he's got that commitment next to his name until that changes. Uh, you know, we'll see. But uh, Mike Yursich has not shied away from, from, from how he feels about Luke Kromenhoek, and certainly seems like Luke and his family have not shied away from at least being very interested in what the, mm -hmm. the, the Penn State staff is pitching, wanting to check out campus again and again. Uh, that's when we thought might pop up. Got some confirmation on Friday. Mark Brennan uh, had some photos out in front of the Beaver Stadium scrimmage as, as people were getting to campus, and we have that over at Lions 24-7. Cromen Hoek was one of those prospects in town. Uh, let's go with another guy who was on campus just a few days ago, Lake, uh, Jake Guarnara uh, out of Florida as well. A top five uh, is out. Penn State is on it. He's also got commitment plans to get to. He does. End of April, he's looking at for a commitment date. 28th, he's going to be announcing his next step. It's interesting with him because I feel like it's going to come down to a numbers game. Penn State's getting William Satterwhite on campus this weekend. He's been a top interior offensive line target for a really long time, and there's a lot of optimism about him making it to campus and the potential to get a commitment while he's back in town. And from what I've been hearing, two interior offensive linemen, that seems to be the desired number in this class. And essentially you have to ask the question, if Satterwhite does pop for the Nittany Lions, where does that leave Guarnera? Because, like I just said, two and Cooper Cousins projected as an interior guy at the next level as well. So that's that's an element of this recruitment that needs to be monitored. From what I've been hearing, the buzz is that he's not going to stay in Florida. That's going to be an out-of-state pick. And the Gators are the only in-state school among his top five, which is Penn State, Florida, Rutgers, where his father played, NC State and Michigan. I'd say Michigan's one to watch. I've heard they're kind of iffy on him right now in terms of the way their offensive line board is taking shape. So there are a lot of uh, there, there are a lot of factors going on in this recruitment right now. I think the Penn State staff likes him. I think Phil Trotwin likes him. You know, he received that individual instruction for him when he camped during the summer. He got a really extended look. The relationships there are good. I really think for for me. This one comes down to what happens with Satterwhite this weekend if Penn State can get him on board. Because if they can, I'm not really sure there's a spot for Guarnera. We'll get to Satterwhite in one second. And by the way, Guarnera spent about an hour just him, Anthony Donka, Alex Birchmeyer, and Phil Troutwine in Holuba Hall last summer. I've, I've mentioned that story a few times, but uh, that is a unique experience for him and for Phil Troutwine to carry forward in this recruitment. And thus far, both still taking a long look at each other with the commitment now just a few weeks away. Um, Dylan Stewart also checked in on campus, and he's a big-time name to know in the 2024 cycle out of Friendship Collegiate Academy in the D.C. area. Uh, number 13 overall prospect in 24-7 sports rankings, the number three edge defender, um, and, and he was here on Friday as well. This is another one where I just feel like Penn State's playing catch-up, and I think they're playing from behind. Now, the one thing I will say with Stewart, the first thing is it's key to get him on campus. I mean, he hadn't been back in a little while, so he wasn't really quite sure where he was at with Penn State and new defensive line coach Deion Barnes, but there were a bunch of positives coming out of that visit. I think he's giving serious consideration to an official in June. It seems like he, he's got three visits set right now, so there are two slots left for him. He's going to take his officials in June. I, I think the Nittany Lions are receiving consideration in that regard. I'm not sure it ultimately happens. I don't get the vibe that Stewart's going to wind up in Happy Valley with the way things stand right now. But Penn State's fighting. I mean, you can't really blame them. You go throw on Stewart's tape. The ranking is more than justified. I mean, geez, the kids, he's a beast. So you understand why he's a top target for the staff. If they get the official, you know, we've seen what Penn State could do with official visits, and we've seen how good the staff is on official visits. So if you get him into town in June for an official, I guess you could say anything could happen, but – I think there's definitely some catching up to do that the staff is currently doing. I think they help, they help themselves over the weekend for sure. I think they definitely made up a little bit of ground. Just not sure if it was a significant amount. Yet another busy weekend on campus uh, for Penn State. They are now into week five of spring ball, and it's going to culminate 
with the busiest weekend of them all for the blue-white game as people pack back in uh, to Beaver Stadium, including this collection of prospects. We're going to focus on three names right here. There are a bunch more names over at Lions247.com as this week progresses, as this list comes together. It's already pretty impressive, but just wait until we get to Thursday and Friday. We're going to see this <laughs> thing grow as the confirmations oh, yeah. come. But three you wanted to hit on here, Tyler. You already referenced one in Satterwhite, uh, the interior offensive lineman out of Akron, Ohio. But a couple other linemen to get to here. Nigel Smith. Uh, defensive lineman out of Texas will be making the trip. And then uh, in-state offensive lineman considered one of the premier offensive linemen in the region, Kevin Haywood. So take it away. Why are these three an important cluster to know from what is going to be a very large collection of recruits on campus? Just starting with Satterwhite, since I already talked about him a little bit, you know, he's received a lot of high-tier offers throughout the course of his recruitment, specifically in the winter. He's received a lot of interest from programs who have churned out elite offensive linemen and get those guys to the NFL. But Penn State has stuck at the top of his list. It just seems like there's a lot of comfort there between the staff and the family and Sadder White himself. And this is one of his final visits of the spring, if not his final visit of the spring. There's just a ton of optimism surrounding this recruitment. I've been toying around with the idea of tossing in a crystal ball pick for Penn State to seal the deal soon. We'll see if that winds up coming to fruition. I want to do a little bit more asking around before getting to that point. But a lot of positives there. I, I, this is I, I've talked a lot today about recruitments that I'm not quite sure Penn State is going to wind up winning in the end. I, I think this is one they do win in the end. I think just all the signs have really pointed to that. And I'm glad you, we were getting into Smith. Nigel Smith is a really interesting prospect to me for a few reasons. I mean, he he's from Texas. Melissa doesn't turn him. Melissa, Texas, they don't churn out a ton of prospects at his level. I mean, we're talking about a top 24-7 defensive lineman who's top 100 in certain rank. We have him, I believe he's in our composite. He's close to our top 50, if not in the top 50. And you don't want to put a ton of stock into social media activity. You know, you start playing that game, things are a little bit dangerous because some recruits love to have uh, fun with fan bases on social media, as we're seeing with a certain Ohio State commit right now. But that's besides the point. When it comes to Nigel Smith, He's been really pro Penn State on social media lately. Really, he's quote tweeting all the commitments. He's commenting on all these recent commitments that Penn State has had. It seems like he's really, really excited about this visit. And I know he's giving Penn State a legit look. And I know he's going to be back for an official in June. At least that's the way things are trending. So I, I don't think this is a, I don't think this is a recruitment where Penn State is. I want to say they're playing from behind. I, I think he has some more local schools higher on his list right now. But I think Penn State has a real chance to make up some ground when they get him on campus this week. Kind of reminds me of TJ Parker in that regard. I know I know it didn't go Penn State's way in the end, and we could get into the reasons why it didn't go Penn State's way in the end. But they get him on – they got TJ Parker on campus from Alabama, and they skyrocketed up his list after that. I, I see that kind of potential with Smith and, and Haywood <laughs> – We've talked about big Kevin Haywood so much. He's getting back to campus for the first time in a little bit. They spent, he, when I say they, he and his family spent the spring checking out campuses that they hadn't seen a whole lot of yet. You can't really knock that approach given how many times they've all been to Penn State and the familiarity that they have with the school. Haywood's been very thorough throughout his recruitment. We know that we've talked about it a bunch, how he's taken a really detail-oriented approach and he's not rushing into anything without all of the information he could possibly gather. And he's going to be looking to gather more information about the inner workings of Penn State while he's on campus this weekend. I know there's a lot of positive feelings from the fan base about, hey, what about, hey, look, maybe we could wrap this up this weekend, you know, blue-white game, all the positives. Not quite sure it happens that way, but I still think Penn State is trending for him. I, I, think, I think our crystal ball picks still look pretty good. Yeah, and this has always been a weekend that, that Penn State's done a nice job picking up a commitment or two, building toward the next class, building on that positive momentum as spring camp comes to a close. We'll see if that happens this time around. We'll be You'll be all over the recruiting coverage, as always, as things take shape in Happy Valley. Let's finish with this before we start to talk some blue-white game with Mark Brennan and Daniel Gallen. As I said at the top of the show, a lot of episodes, this would have been our number one conversation, but Penn State getting a conference player of the year addition uh, on the basketball squad ace baldwin following mike rhodes from vcu and in your breaking news story on on easter about this one you called baldwin the straw that stirred the drink for a vcu team that was in the tournament last year no doubt about that i mean a 10 player of the year a 10 defensive player of the year he was mike rhodes star in richmond and it, it's a crucial get for penn state you know obviously they had to start winning some recruiting battles soon you get they got about that staff has a whole roster to rebuild so 
this was a very, very strong early get from Mike Rhodes. And I think it's kind of a tone setter. And I also think you could maybe start to see a little bit of a domino effect here. Because the fact of the matter is with Ace Baldwin, yes, there was plenty of attraction to following Mike Rhodes to Happy Valley and finishing his college career with the head coach that he committed to coming out of high school where he turned down high major programs to play in the A-10 at VCU. There was definitely plenty of appeal on that alone. But if you look at Ace Baldwin and the fact that he heard from a bunch of other high major programs when he hit the portal. I don't think he's coming to Penn State to play for a lackluster Big Ten squad that's gonna win single digit games in conference play and maybe crack double digit overall. I don't I don't think that's what Ace Baldwin's coming to state college for. I think that he knows what Rhodes is capable of building right away through the transfer portal. And now that he's on board, he could also be a selling point to other recruits. What we're talking about a conference player of the year coming to the Big Ten that you can build around. That's really, really important for Rhodes, especially given the fact that he already trusts Baldwin to such a high degree, being familiar with him as a player and a person and what he brings to the table on and off the court. So I think it's the beginning of potentially some really a stretch of good news for the Penn State basketball program. This Baldwin was the guy they wanted the most. The, it was easy to see. They went after him the hardest, and they sealed the deal. So credit to Rhodes and the staff for getting this one done relatively early you know, among the transfer portal madness, I think. It's important to get him on board, get him established. And now you can really focus elsewhere on the recruiting trail and getting, continuing to build around him and getting guys who complement the system. Yeah, maybe some maybe some former teammates as well. Uh, a bunch of those guys at VCU in the transfer portal, guys like Jaden Nunn, Nicholas Kern, Jalen Deloche, Jameer Watkins. I know you've been all over trying to cover what Penn State basketball is doing with their roster build for our VIP subscribers at lines247.com. You combine that with all the recruiting action happening here in the month of April leading up to the Blue-White game. It is a busy time. We had a busy conversation here. We'll let you get back to work. Thank you very much, Tyler. Appreciate you for me having back on, man. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's get into the next phase of this conversation right now with fellow Lions 24-7 colleagues Daniel Gallen and Mark Brennan. Uh, we are about six hours or so from getting back onto the Penn State practice field for our final look at the Nittany Lions in practice action before the Blue-White game on Saturday. But I want to start with where we just left off with Tyler Calvaruzzo and because you guys are just now a few weeks removed from seeing a transfer player lead a tournament run for Penn State. Mark, Ace Baldwin, uh, obviously the first signature pickup uh, for Rhodes at Penn State as this new basketball era takes shape, one that it felt like they needed to get done, and they did on Easter. Yeah, A-10 player of the year, as Tyler said, and uh, you know, awesome defensive player. I think he was defensive player of the year as well, and he's played a game at the Jordan Center a couple of years ago, so uh, this guy's very familiar with Penn State. But as Tyler said, uh, you know, you're looking at a guy who's a team captain type of guy, you know, a point guard has the ball in his hands all the time. I mean, I just think it's a great pickup for Penn State, and do not be surprised if you see a Nicholas Curran in a, in a, a Jalen Deloach uh, following him. Not positive about the loach, but I think it's looking really good for current. So these are guys from a from a, a VCU team that uh, made it to the tournament that has been very successful over the last several years. And I think that's the other important part about it. 
is that if you look at what Mike Rhodes has been able to do, uh, and we've talked about we talked about this when it looked like Penn State was going to hire him, and then after they hired him, he really has uh, just the pattern, the way his teams play, consistent consistently among the top defensive teams in the nation. Uh, you know that that's kind of a mindset. And to have the key player from that team coming to help establish that uh, is just huge. And I also think, again, Tyler mentioned it, it sends a message to other recruits that, okay, you know, they're serious here. Uh, Let's see how the dominoes fall into place. You know, we're still pretty early in the process, but for that to be the first guy they bring in, I think is huge. Dane, I'm just curious if you have any uh, takeaways fr- from this development for Penn State basketball because all of a sudden feels like they've got their face of the franchise for this year uh, at least in-, in Ace Baldwin and we didn't know if they had a face on the roster uh, about 10 days ago. Yeah I-, I think we've talked a little bit about trying to have as much continuity as possible when you look at bringing guys back who had success uh, from the team last year but I think this is an example of creating some continuity by bringing in someone from the outside, someone who has familiarity with how Mike Rhodes does things, uh, who knows the system and who can kind of step in uh, immediately to, you know, a bit of a a leadership role. You you don't, we don't necessarily know how many young players are going to be on this team uh, next year based off of who comes back for their sophomore seasons. If there are any 2023 additions still out there on the recruiting trail, um, you know, things like that. But I think bringing in Ace Baldwin gives you, um, you know, kind of a, a cornerstone almost of someone who will be the tone setter, who knows how things under Mike Rhodes wor- works um, and can be someone that guys will look to uh, for guidance right now. Well, let's shift gears over to football because, again, we're, we're going to be back on the practice field. It'll be our fifth look at Penn State practice since mid-March. And we'll get a longer look along with a lot of fans in Beaver Stadium this Saturday during a few hours of action there. Uh, some scrimmage action that we didn't necessarily get to see last year because of the offensive line numbers. Um, but, Mark, as we work our way towards this, we have a couple, few roundtables that will be being featured at, at 24-7 Sports, online 247com leading up to this. And, and we'll get into a position competition to watch. We have a few other topics to get here. But looking ahead towards Saturday, what is the position room that you're going to be particularly getting those binoculars on and trying to get a, a long examination of? Yeah, I mean, I think the offensive line, when you, when you talk about good problems to have, you know, you just mentioned it. You know, last year they didn't have enough offensive linemen to actually run an entire scrimmage. Now you have six guys with significant returning returning with significant starting experience, and that's even with losing Juice Scruggs and Bryce Effner. Yeah, I don't remember them being this deep for a long, long time. I mean, maybe some of those teams in the mid-2000s, maybe going all the way back to, to the mid-90s with, uh, you know, Goon and his crew. Uh, I'm not saying this group is going to be that good, but when you talk about depth, uh, I just I'm I'm really anxious to see it. You know, you talk about competition, you talk about a a, a unit to watch. When I'm looking at Caden Wallace and Drew Shelton fighting for that right tackle spot, you know, I'm like, you know, th- to me that's like wow. Or when you're thinking of Norzad and Tangwall, you know, fighting for a guard spot possibly. Uh, or you know, in the mix for those guard spots because both of them, or one of them, the Tang, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, Norzad could was may obviously be the center. But my point being, those guys both significant starting experience at the same spot last year, and now they could both be starting, you know, again. So it's just to, to me, it's an embarrassment of riches for Penn State. You, you knock on wood a little bit that everybody stays healthy, but it looks like. These guys have been healthy throughout most of the spring. And again, just the, the the level of competition and some of these battles, you know, you don't have to go that far back when, when Penn State had to pull defensive linemen over to the offensive line just to have a starting unit. And now all of a sudden you have multiple guys with more than five guys with significant starting experience. I just think that's going to be the area. I think that's going to be the key to the whole team. You know, really, I mean, as much as people want to talk about quarterback and I completely get it, the quarterbacks, Drew Aller's not going to be able to do what he does unless that offensive line plays really well. And the running backs can't do what they do unless the offensive line plays really well. So to me, that's really an area to watch. And I think that's going to be the difference between this team being, uh, you know, a top 25 team 
or a college football championship can playoff contender. That's going to be the difference is going to be that O-line. It seems like they're going to have to leave Big Ten starting quality offensive linemen on the sideline when they put out their first team offensive unit for those first snaps against West Virginia on September 2nd. That's where you want to be. I mean, if you want to compete at the highest level of this sport, you got to have starters on the sidelines. We saw it with their defense last year. They had starter level talent on the sidelines. And thus, Manny Diaz is playing, what, 22 guys with consistency over the course of each game, at least that number. So, um, Daniel, jumping over a little bit, we have Tyler Calvaruso involved with the roundtable at the site. He's not involved in this particular conversation, but I know he talked about wide receivers, and that's where I would have landed if he hadn't taken it. Uh, and I think it's very difficult to look beyond the fact that what we've heard on the wide receiver group through a month of spring ball is there's Keandre Lambert-Smith, there's Harrison Wallace, and then there's everybody else. Well, everybody else is going to be out there running routes potentially getting exposed in a negative way, but maybe getting a chance to go out there and impress against what we know is a very deep cornerback room and what we know is a very impressive defensive unit at large. Look, this is a little bit of fool's gold sometimes with spring ball and wide receivers. Matt Kippenhammer had a huge spring game five years ago or so. It just never materialized for him. But to me, whether it's a Caden Saunders, an Omari Evans, a veteran like a Malik Mega, um, or a newcomer like uh, Malik McLean, the door is wide open for someone to go out and generate some momentum. And I know this coaching staff is really curious when they peel back the curtain on some of these younger players and they put them out there in front of 70, 80,000 people in Beaver Stadium. What are those nerves going to feel like and how are those going to be reflected on the field? I think when you look at the wide receiver group, it's the position where I think there might be the most playing time available. Uh, just when you look at the fact that. Yeah, they play three wide receivers a lot. There's only two that have really established themselves and then the ability to rotate guys in um, for different situations and, and things like that. I think, you know, there's a lot of reps there for the taking. And, you know, Omari Evans is someone who has gotten some buzz as that, you know, third guy up uh, in, in terms of the pecking order. Um, we talked to Malik Mega a couple weeks ago and, and he seemed confident with, with some of the progress that he's made. Malik McLean is the, new variable to introduce and then Anthony Ivy and Tyler Johnson are, are two more guys that we didn't see at all last year um, who are going to have an opportunity. So I think that you look at the wide receiver group and it's definitely a position that all of my eyes on. Um, it's kind of hard not to when you're going to be focusing so much on the quarterbacks uh, to see what's happening on the other end of those passes. But you know, this was a game where last year Harrison Wallace kind of teased some of that athletic ability um, I remember he had a pretty good play on a jump ball. Um, you know, this is where guys can can flash what they're capable of uh, you know, for a, a very large audience. And you know, who steps up in those moments, I think, is going to be very curious to watch. You know, what Keandre Lambert Smith, you know, kind of shows in terms of, you know, not necessarily expecting him to do too much because he's pretty much a known quantity. But what he looks like in this type of environment. Um, you know, as kind of the leader of the group, I think that with these wide receivers, there's a lot of unknowns. And then the stuff that we do know, we want to know more about. We kind of combined there to, to poach Tyler Calvaruso's answer on the, on the, on the, on this particular project, but I, the wide receiver is an obvious one. You went linebackers, which maybe goes back to Mark's point uh, where there's guys with starting experience. There's guys that are on the rise, and it feels like you're just not not everybody who who can play Big Ten football at a at a pretty high level is going to be able to play a lot of Big Ten football this season because of the competition. It's something we talked about with this group, where under with the transition from Brent Pry to Manny Diaz, where under Brent Pry it seemed like the roles were you know pretty rigid in terms of the players that he wanted at what spots when he wanted them on the field, um, and you know what they did when they were on the field, whereas. Under Manny Diaz, I think as the year went on, especially with getting Abdul Carter onto the field, uh, using that Prowler package, I think we saw a little bit more, okay, how can we get the best three onto the field or the best two um, onto the field, depending on the the formation. And that's kind of what what I'm going to be looking at. Um, I think that there's, there's a couple of these linebackers who we haven't seen much of the spring that are probably going to factor into the competition once we get into the August. But, you know, it's a room where you added Tony Rojas, uh, who is getting a lot of buzz and is very physically impressive. So this is going to be our first chance to really see what he looks like um, in a more, I guess, wide open uh, environment. 
than you know kind of the very managed individual things we've seen uh, on these Tuesday nights. So I think adding Rojas into the equation and the fact that he's really seemed to take to things pretty quickly, um, I think is really curious to see what kind of combinations they're going to put out or what that's going to look like. Um, you know, if we're going to see Abdul Carter at the mic at all, you know, these kinds of, of little things, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see when it comes to those linebackers. And, and I'll just add one more here that I had written down for our round table is the cornerback position. And it's another one of those embarrassment of riches kind of situations, even with the all American Joey Porter jr. Now getting ready for the draft. Really curious to see Storm Duck out there. Chance to, to see some extended action for him, hopefully. Cam Miller's a guy that everyone will tell you about this spring, really going back into winter workouts. Uh, get a chance to see that going up against uh, you know, the quarterbacks and going up against wide receiver and some full-on action. You know, we don't get to see a lot of that uh, covering wide receivers, going up against quarterbacks, playing 11-on-11 football aspect during our looks at spring ball, which we understand, but this is going to change on Saturday. And again, just like I talked about wide receiver, Chance you get exposed, but there's also a chance you can really flourish out there. Uh, and and you know, down the board here with those three freshman wide receivers, or three freshman cornerbacks, although one of them in Zion Tracy hasn't really been available during these practices. But we've heard some good things about Lamont Payne, certainly about Elliot, Elliot Washington. So there's just a lot of names to throw into that mix. And, and, and some of the old guys who are, who are back, Johnny Dixon. Uh, Daquan Hardy as well, you know, just to mention a few. And I think Dixon's someone I'm going to be curious to see if he's lining up in, in, in that Prowler package, if he's creeping up toward that line of scrimmage like Jair Brown did last year. We know he had a lot of success for the cornerback position playing close to the line last year, uh, wreaked some havoc in the backfield, did some really good things up there, and I think he's confident in that. We're going to get very vanilla uh, looks over the course of Saturday, but still I think we'll be able to maybe glean a little bit about some new ways that, that this – cornerback room might get used in the uh, defensive scheme next season. Speaking of newcomers, we mentioned a few there in that conversation. Newcomer to watch in this matchup, and, and you can go with a lot of different directions. Mark, we'll start with you here. Yeah, well, I, I got to pick last in this one. So uh, just so people know, if, if yes. I had if I went earlier, I might have picked somebody else. But you're going to you're going to you're going to want to watch this guy cuz you have to watch him because you you won't will not be able to take your eyes off of him and it's mega barnwell the tight end i mean he's massive it, it, daniel heard what i said when, when, when we were shooting <laughs> one practice and he was finally out there and there may have been an expletive involved uh but he is a massive human being uh for a tight end so i was not the first one to pick but in terms of guys that are going to catch your attention, you're going to look at number 85 and say, holy crap, that guy is one uh, big dude. I don't know if he's going to end up at tight end because you watch him walking around with offensive linemen and he's bigger than a lot of them. I mean, you know, height-wise, and you could see where weight-wise he could probably get there if he really wanted to. Uh, but... Yeah, he is something to, to, to behold. And, uh, you know, when you look at that tight end room, obviously, uh, they're going to be without two of the, the two best tight ends uh, on, on the team uh, at this point. And they're going to be playing a lot of these younger guys. So I would not be surprised if, uh, if young Mega uh, Matthias uh, get, gets some action, gets a few balls thrown his way. But I'm just telling you, people, this is one guy, when you see him out there on the field, just watch him during warm-ups, and you're going to be like, wow, that guy is a big dude. And, you know, we haven't had a lot of opportunities to see him in scrimmage action, uh, but he looks pretty mobile for his size, too. So he's going to be a fun one to watch, not only on Saturday, but I think next season. You know, are they going to need him to play? I, I don't know. You know, I think they may have enough, enough depth there uh, with Khalil Dinkins and – and Jerry Cross and uh, and, and uh, the starters that they have coming back, but uh, yeah, I think Mega Barnwell is is kind of a guy that you're going to watch him and, and and say, "Wow, he's he's huge." He's six foot six, two hundred and seventy pounds, according to the uh, roster here for Penn State in his first semester, in, in which he should be finishing up his high school senior year. So yeah, a guy we'll be watching closely. We've been discussing his positional uh, uh, journey uh, for years now since he committed to Penn State the first time before his sophomore year ended up committing a second time down the road. Uh, you mentioned a couple of tight ends missing from the equation and how that could play a role into things. And uh, you, you talked about with, with Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson, we've documented 
each and every one of our practice reports that they had not been out there participating on Tuesdays. Well, linebacker room was something that, that Daniel alluded to a little bit as well. Uh, Tyler Elsden, not sure we're going to see him out there Saturday. If practice is an indication, we probably won't. Uh, same goes with a guy like Dom DeLuca. Haven't seen him out there for a while after he played almost 200 defensive snaps last season, earned himself a scholarship. Uh, so I, Tony Rojas, there should be a lot of opportunity to watch him. And uh, look, he's probably a name that that I was going to pick first, and I did have the first pick, so I, uh, I went there. But I think any of us were probably going to go in that direction based on what we heard the last few weeks. Guys put on about 30 pounds, came to campus, sub 200, now pushing his way toward 230 pounds, playing at a very high speed on the field, reading, reacting in a way that you just don't get from, from freshmen linebackers unless their name's Abdul Carter last year. And and across the way, it goes from, well, we already know this guy had the mental makeup. Uh, the big question has been, can he, can he pack on the pounds? Well, yeah, that has not been an issue. And can he pack on those pounds while, without losing his ability to survey the field? And we've seen him working at both outside linebacker positions. Um, there seems to be genuine, uh, genuine excitement about this guy. And, and, and in a way that it's just different than normal spring camp excitement in a way that I think he is going to force many Diaz to reevaluate how to get his three best players on the field, depending on the circumstances of the game, depending on the point in the season. I'm not going to say the way they use Tony Rojas on September 2nd is going to be the same, same way they'll do it in mid-October. But as you can see, I'm getting uh, very animated about my, my, my Tony Rojas answer here because everyone's animated who talks to you about Tony Rojas. And it's just – there's, you know, every once in a while you hear stuff. Nick Singleton last year wasn't much of a surprise to hear the way he came in. A couple of years ago, Kaylin King was that talk of the town. And now it's Tony Rojas. And guys, I think he's going to get quite a bit of run and, and out there during the spring game. We'll see some Tamir Robinson. But for my money, uh, Tony Rojas is the newcomer that I'm really excited to see out there and get a chance to maybe uh, watch him take the next step in front of a lot of fans who have been hearing a lot about him. Yeah, you, you talk about having the number two pick and going with Rojas, and we know that Tyler Calvaruso went with Elliott Washington at number one. Those are the two that I had had circled. Uh, you know, looking at the roster in terms of freshmen that you know, we'll see and who could be physically impressive. So I number three, I wrapped it up with Malik McLean, uh, the wide receiver. Um, I think that when you look at what Penn State has at wide receiver, kind of like I talked about a little bit earlier, a lot of opportunity there, but. With McLean, I go back to the fact that Penn State just didn't really have that type of wide receiver on the roster last year. He's six foot four, two hundred pounds, uh, can really run. You know, Penn State had, you know, I think Keandre Lambert Smith was a bit of a burner last year, as we saw down the stretch of the season, but they didn't really have that big bodied receiver that you kind of thought of as the contested catch guy. Um, you know, I think the tight ends definitely helped with with their size, but on the outside, that really wasn't there. So I think I'm going to have my eyes on McLean to see what he can add, you know, what he's able to do, how he looks uh, in, you know, close to live action against this very good defensive back room. Um, and then we can kind of go from there. McLean wearing number 11. You'll notice him fast. He really stands out among those wide receivers. And we'll have uh, something up before the blue-white game on the site, breaking down who those newcomers are, what their numbers are on the roster, just so if you're kind of trying to, to get acclimated with some of the new faces out there on Saturday, that'll be a bit of a help and a guide for you. Now, we had some MVP predictions as well for the blue-white game, and these are a little bit off the beaten path. You can't think of it in the sense of a normal matchup that we get in September where the, the best players are going to be out there for pretty much 60 minutes, and, and we're going to get a long look at everybody. This is a glorified practice situation, a scrimmage situation, uh, and you're not going to put a lot of those guys in much harm's way as you try to get off the practice field here in spring and, and call it a successful camp. So with all that said, let's start with offensive MVPs. And Daniel Gallen, you had our first pick here, and I love it. Uh, Tyler Holsworth. Uh, I, I think I called this shot a couple months ago, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I you think did. It, was, it was an aside, but you, know, you look at the running back room and you know, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, you know what you've got uh, in them for the most part, I think. You know, at this point in spring practice, bubble wrap and you know let's get to august let's get to september 2nd um but i think that tyler holsworth is someone who is going to get a lot of work uh in terms of you know trying to run that offense and you know help the rest of the players around him you know the offensive linemen the quarterbacks um you know with the, those guys that need work um i think he'll get a lot of work and you know from what we saw in the little bit of action that he got 
down the stretch last year in uh, garbage time. He's a running back that has a little bit of wiggle. Um, he, there is some speed there. There is some bursts. Uh, he spent most of last season uh, wearing the number of the opposing team's top running back in practice, uh, leading the scout team. So I think that that's a, a little bit of a sign of what the staff thinks of him or you know, what he's capable of doing in terms of providing a look. Um, so I think he's someone who's going to have the ball in his hands a lot and wouldn't surprise me if he made a couple things happen. What do you got for us, Mark? I, I just – Daniel's disrespecting Tank Smith. Tank Smith, <laughs> I know. I, I not think Tank even, Smith. <laughs> can't, can't believe it. He's going with – he's taking the Eric Heffelfinger – uh, approach which you guys are way too young to remember but from the the line of jerry collins Tikus pettigrew uh there, there are a lot of uh blue white game mvps who <laughs> didn't do a lot <laughs> in, in other areas uh but i think this one I, i'm going in a little different direction uh because typically i like i actually like the, the way that daniel goes because this is a great opportunity for a lot of these walk-on scout team players who never get you know, a, a hurrah in Beaver Stadium to go out there and do some really good things. And I have so much respect for these guys who grind it out every day, and it's very cool. So uh, hopefully Tyler uh, Holsworth is 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 one of the guys who, who plays really well. But I'm going a little different direction. I'm going to go with Bo Pribula, quarterback. Uh, they only have so many quarterbacks, and they're going to have to play. Uh, and I, I think Bo is a guy who – is going to have an opportunity to maybe show what he can do in terms of his mobility. Uh, you know, not the greatest arm strength in the world, but 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 accurate. Uh, you know, I, I just I I think they are going to want him to get out there and develop some confidence. I think they're going to run some things. They're going to allow him to be successful, and I think it's really important too because you're looking at a guy who didn't really have any action last year. And he's now your second team quarterback. Whether they want to say that or not, we know it's a competition that's going to go to the last minute or whatever. But you know, realistically speaking, he's your second. He's your QB two, and you want him to have some success, and you want him to get some things done. So I'm going to go with Bo Pribula uh, having a really good blue white game, leading him in passing, uh, two two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, and two 157 yards passing. So there you go. That's that's going to be my prediction. The tricky part about this setup, Mark, is with a guy like Perbula and the way they they blow the whistles defensively, you don't really get to see that mobility completely showcased because he's not really going against a true live defense. But, yeah, we, I imagine that athleticism will be on display for a little bit of people to try to get a better feel of who Drew is, who Bo is, and how they're they're different. I think coming out of the stadium on Saturday, people will have their heads round, wrapped around that a bit more. And we'll see what Drew does. I mean – I'd imagine they, they, they'd like to get some fireworks in the building with Drew Aller on, on Saturday, kind of set the stage going into the summer a little bit. You can't last pick year, him, though. You can't pick him. I mean, that, that, that no, was no, no, no. But too, if you remember last year, one. last year, I mean, it was a lot of people excited for him, and he was throwing it. He got intercepted a few times, and I remember Don DeLuca, I think, came up with a couple of those interceptions, and at the time, we're like, oh, this is one of those nice walk-on spring game stories. Lo and behold, he ends up having a two-deep role at linebacker and getting yeah. a scholarship. So a lot to a lot to learn uh, coming out of spring ball with, with some of these guys. Others, as you said, it's really just a special opportunity, and we won't really see them the rest much of the, the rest of their career on game days. Uh, my pick on offense, I went uh, you know, kind of taking advantage of where I saw a bulk of work, and I go to go Khalil Dinkins, uh, Tyler Tyler uh, Warren, Theo Johnson out of the equation with their bumps and bruises. Obviously, they're the lead two guys we talked about a lot of tight end, but. A lot of good things to hear and, and to say about Khalil Dinkins really going back to his bowl preparation last December, getting ready for that matchup against Utah, and then coming back, hitting the winter, hitting the winter conditioning uh, circuit really tough without those leaders in the room, stepping up, taking those younger players under his wing. Remember, you got Jerry Cross, never been in a college game in his career, and then you got three freshmen on campus. Two of them are already here. And you've got another uh, Alex Rappelier joining them in the summer. So right now at the tight end position, it's Khalil Dinkins who's gotten his feet wet. He's caught a touchdown at this level in game action. We saw him sporadically last year, but was still pretty consistently involved as the fourth option at tight end. Um, and I think it's going to show up in the blue-white game that, that he is a separated man from the pack at tight end as currently constructed. Um, and I would expect he's going to see a bulk of work with both uh, quarterbacks playing. I'm not sure how much that Penn State will be able to just go ahead and, and and trust the true freshman or even a guy like Jerry Cross to take a ton of the tight end work over the course of this day just because 
you want to be able to run this thing smoothly. I guess we'll find out how how those guys have uh, you know learned the playbook and, and all that. But I think that the, the opportunities will be there for Khalil Dinkins. I think he'll capitalize on it and he'll come out of this spring ball as a man on the rise, even with Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson coming back into the fold of tight end and, and what we expect them to do this fall. I think Khalil Dinkins is asserting himself as a piece of the puzzle offensively. And, and that goes for, for game in, game out kind of planning, not just like we saw last year where he would pop up late in blowouts or get some work here and there when a guy was hurt. I think he's going to be a piece. Um, defensively, guys, I had the first pick here, but I just spoke a bunch. My throat's not feeling great, so I'm going to dish it off to you, Mark. What do you got for us defensive MVP? You know, I, I, just, I actually changed as the podcast was going on. I had Cam <laughs> Miller because, I, you know, I think he's a young DB who can maybe come through with a couple of picks. But then I was thinking, having watched way too many of these blue-white games, there's always a defensive end who flashes. And as I, I, as I kind of look down the scholarship matrix on who, who's a guy who could flash that maybe you don't expect to, there's not a, a prototypical young guy. And then I looked at Zariah Fisher – and I'm thinking, yeah, I could see him kind of coming through with maybe two or three sacks. Remember, they only have to tag the quarterback for him to be down in this thing. Uh, so I think Zariah Fisher is a guy who we didn't expect to see him at all last year. And then they kind of activated him really late in the year. And uh, he's looked good so far uh, this spring. So there's been so much talk about defensive end and their depth and all the talent they have there, and that's very true. And I think Zariah Fisher's a guy who's been kind of flying under the radar and will have a chance to maybe shine a little bit, get get out there and do some things uh, out there on that blue-white game field this weekend. I considered denied Dennis Sutton for a few minutes there. Didn't, didn't end up making the pick. I'll get to mine in a second. But, Daniel, defensive MVP for, pick for Saturday. I went with K.J. Winston. Uh, I think that's a hype train that I'm, I'm firmly on. Uh, of the number of hype trains that uh, appear to be leaving the station this spring. But uh, I think that you look at uh, the other players in that, in that safety room, uh, you know what you have in Keaton Ellis. I think you know what you have in Jalen Reed. Um, I think we could see a lot of Zaki Wheatley and KJ Winston, um, you know, Makai Flowers in there too, uh, getting reps. But I think just all the things that we heard about KJ Winston this spring, all the excitement that there seems to be from teammates and coaches, um, I think that he is someone who could have one of those springboard performances where he does a couple things, uh, you know, show some things in April that once September, October rolls around that we'll see again. So I, I'm looking for, for KJ Winston on Saturday. Last time I, I mentioned Tony Rojas as my pick, I was hitting my microphone because I was so excited. I'll try to be more calm now, but I'm going to go with Tony Rojas for defensive MVP of this matchup. I, I'm, I'm kind of taken back to that 2021 blue-white matchup where all spring was, oh, Kalen King's great. He does, he's not like a freshman. He's going to be awesome this year. He's, he's an excellent freshman cornerback. What does he do in the blue-white game? He had two interceptions. I think he took one back for a touchdown as well. I'm getting the sense that some kind of – an afternoon like that might await Tony Rojas on Saturday. Uh, there's some luck involved to it, to an afternoon like that, but there's also a lot of skill involved in being at the right place at the right time and having ample opportunities. I think he's going to have ample opportunities because what I just referenced a little earlier about maybe some, some primary linebackers missing from action on Saturday. I think he'll get work at a couple different roles and I think we'll see him in a couple different defensive looks with a variety of different teammates. And over the course of those series, He's going to make some plays, and he's going to draw some oohs and ahs, and we're going to come out of this Beaver Stadium uh, experience and, and, and get back on the podcast Saturday and say, well, we heard a lot about Tony Ross, and he validated it today. Um, we'll see if we get there, but that's just kind of how I see myself, how I see us talking after this one's done, and a lot of that has to do with just the fact that he's going to have a ton of reps, and you go down the list of defensive players who are going to be out there a bunch, He's just the one that stands out, and I'm going to capitalize on the momentum and pick Rojas yet again uh, for my MVP pick. Guys, I think that's going to do it for this episode. We've got a lot to get to here during the course of this week. We're back at practice on Tuesday. We'll have a full photo gallery, uh, full video of James Franklin's post-practice interview. Again, I mentioned this before, Josh Pate has been here at Penn State facilities to start the week, so there'll be a lot of network coverage at 24-7 Sports of Penn State's final week of spring football. Daniel, Mark, we're back in Beaver Stadium Saturday. Uh, I'm back with another podcast on Thursday. I think we're going to have a guest that people will be pretty excited about for that one to get us fired up for Blue White. But thank you, as always, for your perspective and insight and really getting ready to preview a practice. But feels like a lot more when they get back in there to the stadium on that Saturday in April. 
Yeah, quick note, Tyler, uh, just so people know, a huge recruiting week for Penn State football. Uh, keep your eyes open. We're going to have a subscription special popping tomorrow. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is right now, but it's going to be a really good deal. It's going to be 50% yeah. off. So if you want to get an annual pass, and then there's, you could also get a new monthly pass and get immediate access to Paramount Plus, which is really cool. Uh, so a couple different things. Don't subscribe today. I'm just telling you on, on uh, what is it, Tuesday? Uh, wait until Wednesday. We're going to have a special for this week. Tyler Calvaruso, Brian Doan, all the crew is doing a tremendous job. This is a huge recruiting time for Penn State. It's been one big recruiting weekend after another, culminating with this gigantic one for the blue-white game. Well, they're, they're probably going to have, what, 150, 200 prospects. It's going to be nuts. So uh, great VIP coverage, and you'll have an opportunity to subscribe. You can su- subscribe now if you want, but I'm advising you to wait till tomorrow. You'll get 50, you get half off or uh, subscribe for a month, and you get uh, immediate access to Paramount+. Plus. Put it on top of your Wednesday to-do list. We'll be back with another episode on Thursday. And as Mark said, we are building up towards a big recruiting weekend. The past 72 hours or so, a ton of coverage up on the site about recruits who were here this past weekend. Now we're starting to shift, looking ahead towards those who will be in attendance on Saturday for the Blue-White game. Big thanks to Tyler Calvaruso for covering a bunch with us earlier. Daniel Gallen, Mark Brennan, I'm Tyler Donnie. You can catch all of our coverage at Lions247.com. Thanks for listening, as always, to the Lions 24-7 podcast. You ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.